Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with myself, Conor McGilligan, your YouTube and multimedia host. Today, I am joined by Joe Bray, your Manchester City writer, not Simon Baikowski. We'll have the press conference as well later on today. We're recording this Friday morning. So, Joe, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Busy day. Glad the uh, football's back. Yeah, mate. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, I think the last time we were in here with Sai was it was reasonable weather but it just feels at the minute that this we're getting into the thick of september now aren't we it feels like that yeah i was at west ham in shorts and a t-shirt because it was a lovely day and then i was at two day two three days later home against red star with a massive coat because it was chucking it down and really cold so if that doesn't sum up september weather i don't think anything else does yeah we're talking off air and that was my first city game of the season uh, <laughs> yeah. the other day against uh, red star belgrade let's start there shall we um yeah really weird game i mean the atmosphere the atmosphere was actually really decent i thought i thought for you know a, a, a starting game against red star belgrade maybe you thought you know it's not it's not your your your, your natural atmosphere boosters your real madrid your dortmund your psgs or whatever your bayern munichs but i thought the atmosphere on, on the night was was pretty good joe to be honest let's start start there i thought the city fans did a, a really good job down there yeah i think it helps when you bring in the champions league trophy out and it's a, a homecoming and uh, i think the fans responded to that and you always get these sides like red star they bring a load like not a lot of fans but the fans who are there are really passionate aren't they so they made a lot of noise and it probably helped that they went ahead as well because it got a little bit of tension in the air and after that city ran right in the second half did you think when uh, obviously the game started, I, I I wasn't looking at City and thinking, you know, ah, oh, the 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 playing poor here. I did think to myself that it was very lateral, wasn't it, and side to side. I didn't feel like there was players really beating a man or or, or committing. But at the same time, City still had massive chance in that first half, didn't we? Obviously, the, the you know the Phil Foden header, the Haaland header, which hit the bar. I wouldn't say it was poor from City, but it just wasn't maybe as incisive as it normally is. See, I agree with you, but also they had more shots than any side has ever had in the Champions League in the first half of a game. So it's one of them. They didn't play to the best, but they were also creating the chances and they missed a couple. It was, I mean, the game was identical to the West Ham game, wasn't it? Because it was a dominant first half, missed a few sitters, opposition score on the stroke of half time, and then a minute into the second half, City score and win 3-1. So, it, yeah, it was a weird one, but... I think it's just a product of the players missing. If you've got players like De Bruyne, Grealish, um, you know, those sort of players who are looking to make something happen, if you've got them in the squad, you're probably two or three up by the time Red Star score their goal. But it's just not happening. Uh, at the moment, I say that, they're still scoring three goals a game. But it's one of them where uh, they've needed these last couple of games to go behind to sort of spur them into action and really be just a little bit more clinical. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll get onto the the chances because Pep Pep did touch on that in his in his post match. Didn't we? we'll get onto that in just a bit. But in in terms of who stood out for you, obviously Alvarez again, um, and I wanted to touch on him. But what are your thoughts at the minute? And we've touched on this with Sai a couple of times. But the Alvarez fold and partnership in midfield, I'm sort of looking at, it and I've said this multiple times. I think Foden's playing well. But I think Alvarez is playing very well and almost, I mean, Pep said it, hasn't he? He's almost undroppable. What, what, what are you thinking to Foden in this partnership at the minute? What, what are your thoughts on, on him? Because I think, as I said, Alvarez just seems to be just above and away at the minute, really. Well, I think everyone's talking about Foden playing as a number 10. But and for all the criticism Gareth Southgate got, he did get it spot on by saying he's not playing as a number 10, he's playing as an inside winger next to Alvarez. And I think Foden being there is just taking the defenders away from Alvarez a little bit more and just giving them something else to think about and helping Alvarez be as effective as he is. I think it's, is it three goals and three assists in, in three games, which is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm really happy for Alvarez because he's, he's always put that effort in, but always been in the shadow of Haaland, but now there's a system that really plays around him. Um, we've seen Foden come on the inside with Kyle Walker sort of bombing down the right and providing that width. It was actually Sergio Gomez on this game doing that for the first time. And I thought Gomez had had a good game, probably one of his better ones. And I wrote after the game that it's probably going to be his best position because he's not good enough to be the first choice left back. He's not good enough to be the first choice left winger. But there's no one else who, who can do that bombing up and down the left side role. So I think that could be an avenue for, for Gomez. And if Foden can play that inside winger role on both sides, that adds to his versatility, gets him in the middle. Foden said he feels alive in that sort of number 10 drifting inside area. Um, and also as a byproduct of that, it has um, Alvarez playing really well at the same time. So I think just having all those players moving around in front of the defence is confusing any defence they come up, come up against. And was it Alvarez had eight shots and seven chances created in, in that game? And only, I think, Benzema and uh, Robin have done that in the Champions League. So it, he's, he's up there with some big names and he's, he's just been really, really effective at the moment. And I mean, he got a bit of luck for his second one where the keeper punched it into his own net, but the first one, lovely, lovely feet. And uh, he could have had a hat-trick, he could have scored a lot more. And he's, uh, I think he's been playing at this level for a long time, but he's now getting the sort of the stats to back it up. And I think that's probably what's missing with Foden. I mean, the assists are always there, but I think it's the goals, isn't it? Yeah, possibly. Um, I think you find if he plays left wing for a long time or a few games in a row, he'll score a few goals if he plays right wing, if he plays in the centre. The goals do come. He's Because of all the injuries, he's getting moved around a bit. Um, but when he played number 10 against Newcastle, he set up Alvarez. So he's, he's, he's still involved. Um, and I thought against West Ham, he was... He wasn't bad. He, he was the one who was taken off and then the shape changed and then City went on to win the game. But he wasn't playing badly. Um, and I, it, I don't know, maybe he can't win at the moment because people are saying play him number 10 because that's where he, he does everything. His club manager and his national manager are saying you need to do more defensive work. In the last couple of games, I'd say he's probably done that. He's probably focused more on his positional work and kept the shape a bit better at the expense maybe of goals and assists. And, and now there's maybe a question mark saying, oh, well, he's not doing what he was doing before, but he's probably doing what the managers want him to do. So um, I, I think it's... Uh, part of the learning curve for Foden in that position maybe damned if you do damned if you don't <laughs> yeah. sort of thing I, th I think uh, obviously being at the game the other day it was hilarious because one of my mates was um, was 
you know, Haaland obviously missed the one in the in the first half. And there's a couple in the second as well where he's snatching a little bit. And he turned around and went, God, if Alvarez was there, that would have gone in. And you thought, how the, how the narratives wow. change. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> but it is true, isn't it? It's the, I think his, his, shot, his shot per goal ratio over a 90-minute period is just, I mean, he's such a pure striker of the ball. You normally see left-footers, don't you? I, I've always said this. I think left-footers always seem to have a purer strike of the ball. But Alvarez, when he, when he hits it, in, invariably, it's, it's just always on target, isn't it? And I think that's... It's obviously the striker element in him, but also he's just, he's deadly in that final third, isn't he, Joe? And we're seeing that. I mean, when, when he first signed and no one really knew who he was and then we were looking at what he was doing for River Plate, there was the obvious Aguero connections or comparisons and he was scoring a few very Aguero-like goals. And then he maybe hasn't done that in this first season, but the few that he's been scoring this season, if Aguero scores them, you're saying, yeah, that's typical. Typical Aguero, fantastic striker. Um, and his, yeah, his footwork for that first one. Aguero scored that dozens underrated of times. That, underrated Oh, that. lovely, yeah. lovely goal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's always had that. And I think he said he's, he's played in that number 10 behind the striker role before for, for Argentina and River Plate. But he's also played as the, the sole striker. So he's got that in his locker as well. But because he's had to play behind Messi and, and Haaland for club and country, maybe... We don't always see that, but yeah, if Haaland's going through a bit of a patch at the moment where he's getting in the positions, he's having the chances, but nothing's going right, it's a chance for Alvarez to step up and say, well, I can do it instead. Yeah, it is. And I think at the minute, it's an interesting question because I don't think City have started this season with as, as many injuries. It's almost like quite novel at the minute for so many key players to be out at one point. Um, you know, normally see a key player out and they're able to compensate in other areas, but... What I mean, are they stronger this year? I mean, the, the start of the season, you know, with just that momentum and that consistency being carried on from last year, such a successful season, that seems to be the obvious thing. But do you think they look do they look better this year than last year? Do you think they've progressed? Do you think the signings have just bedded in perfectly? Because it's, I was saying to Sai the other day, it seems to be like the perfect concoction at the minute because they may not start well, even though they did against you know Red Star and West Ham they did as well. They went through a little bit of a lull in the, in the first half, in my opinion, against West Ham. But they always seem to just get the job done at the minute. And I don't know if that City just being stronger or if it's just momentum, consistency. I mean, what's your view on it at this moment in time? I don't think they've played anywhere near the best. But I think they're sort of running on autopilot a bit because they know they have to. They've got so many players out. The team's changing every week. Players are playing in different positions, so they've just sort of got to do what they can. It's like a flow to state, get them in. isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the players just know what to do and know how Pep operates now. And I don't think in an ideal world they would have thrown all the new signings in as quickly as, as they have done. I don't. I mean, Nunes might have played on that game, but I don't think he would have played the full game, for example, or he might have come off the bench having to throw him in, Docker in, Gvardiol in. And I think that's actually helping them by just saying, listen, you've got to go and play. You've got to do it and you'll, you can learn on the pitch rather than learn on the training pitch. And all three of those have shown that they can adapt to that system. And yeah, maybe the teammates have been helping them out and covering it at certain times. But uh, I think all of those have, uh, will be stronger for uh, playing in this sort of testing period and because City are still winning, that's going to make City stronger. Like imagine De Bruyne, Kovacic, Bernardo, Grealish all coming back, John Stones. It's, it's scary for other teams, I think, considering how well City are coping with, without these players, that when they come back, they'll have 
the core that have gone on and won the Champions League last season, but also a group of players behind them who know exactly what they're doing. And I think crucially, they can offer something different. Like Nunes offers something completely different to any of the other midfielders. Doku, we saw at West Ham, is no, no one is doing what he's doing. Kovacic maybe isn't as different as other players, but he's doing what Gundogan did to an extent last season. And Gvardiol isn't the same as Ake at left-back and centre-back. So having completely different options is also going to be a, a bonus going forward, I think. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. Yeah, a, a lot of different profiles in there, I think, definitely. Because Guardiola always says, doesn't he, like, like we'll, we pick the team who we think can win the game. So if he thinks, I mean, let's look at Nunes, who was running with the ball. I think Guardiola called him unstoppable, like like the blind plays <laughs> when, he, some big words, when he gets he? on the ball. And uh, <laughs> if, if he can do that, or if he sees an opposition and thinks, right, we need that running from midfield and Bernardo's not going to do it, Kovacic isn't going to do it, then Nunes will play and it'll probably win the game. So it's, uh, I think, a useful weapon to have. Oh, this touch on him looked excellent, I thought. Looked really, really good. Obviously, Alvarez was the pick of the bunch, but his first Champions League start, Nunes, and slotted in. And I want to touch on Rodri in Act 2, so stick around for that. But um, he... Him and Rodri together, loved it. Thought they balanced each other out really, really nicely. One would go, one would stay, I thought, a lot. When notoriously last season, you, you know, saw Rodri really take up that defensive role. And we'll get, as I said, we'll get onto him, him in a little bit. But Nunes just, but like, it was as if he was back in, you know, playing for Sporting Lisbon in those Champions League games again, wasn't he? He just looked very, very yeah, good. Yeah, pleasantly surprised with Nunes. I, I was. I, I think a lot yeah. of people just thought, oh, he's just going to be an, an OK midfielder. And I mean, listen, we're, we're judging him off one game in a little bit at West Ham, but I thought at West Ham he came on and it was like quite eye-catching for him to replace Foden. But he sort of slotted into midfield, allowed Bernardo to go right and Bernardo gets the goal and assist. And that doesn't happen without Nunes coming on. That's not a negative on Foden, but Nunes played a sort of underrated role in that, that win. He gets the start against Red Star. And then, yeah, I thought his, um, the way he kept possession, he's... He, very, very good on the ball, which I didn't seem to remember he did last season, uh, or it didn't particularly stand out when I was watching Wolves on the few occasions that I did. So, um, yeah, the sort of runs into the box, the way that he sort of keeps the ball and uh, a few couple of shots, always looking to send the winger to the byline. I think that can be quite useful. And I asked Pep after the game and he, he sort of played it down as he does and says, yeah, he's still got a lot to learn. But if that's the sort of level that he can get better from, then it's quite encouraging. Yeah, not bad. Guys, we're going to leave it there, but we'll be back in Act 2, as we've just spoken about, discussing Rodri and um, injury records and Pep's words on this City side after the game. See you in a bit. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Right, Rodri, is he now a 10? <laughs> Is he now an attacking midfielder? Because every time we're just talking about the balance between him and Nunes, and I think well, me and Sai have spoken about before about him and Kovacic, and, and Walker was speaking after the game as well about Rodri, and yeah, I just look at him, Joe, and I'm like, this guy can do absolutely everything. I mean, he had a strike in the first half, and it was a really, it was a brilliant save from the keeper. He shifted it onto his right, but in just that attacking role at the minute, he's. He's lethal, isn't he? Yeah, and like he said, at the, I think in the summer on the tour, he was like, I want to add goals to my game because, I mean, you score the winner in the Champions League final and you probably get a taste for, you know, this feels all right. And it seems like he said, I, I want to start doing that more. He's always popped up with 
important goals, hasn't he? But not consistently. And then he scores on the opening day. He scores the winner at Sheffield United when City need it. And I mean, that was a lovely goal against um, against Red Star. And he, he said, didn't he, that Ortega gave him a tip off at half time, saying the keeper's pulling off some worldies, but he's not very good low down and, and at his side. So Rodri had been really peppering the goal and trying to get a goal. I got the sense that he wanted to be a scorer on the homecoming after scoring in Istanbul, um, just to sort of poetic continue that narrative um, and he had a couple of shots when maybe he shouldn't but he was getting in those positions and yeah he curls that one in the bottom corner like I mean if De Bruyne does that everyone's shouting about how it's a really really sort of top class world goal but, uh, but he had one in the first half where he was running with it and he did that yeah. clack he loves to just bend it doesn't yeah, it and yeah, he yeah. bent it just past the yeah. post and for a defensive midfielder running with the ball at, at pace as we saw with his goal in the second half running with the ball at pace and being able to connect with the ball like he does with such finesse and power it's it's really impressive technically yeah. I don't think that's new because like I mean the, the goal against Aston Villa to win it on the final day he's, he can score from distance and he can pick his spot and the Champions League final goal was really good technique as well a lot of players will probably just blaze that over the bar but he's just adding more of it now. I think he's getting in those positions and, you know, say De Bruyne and Bernardo and Kovacic are in the, in the team. He's not getting in those positions, but because they're not, I think he's probably seen someone needs to be arriving in the box and doing that. And I think what stood out for me, he, he wasn't just getting arriving in the box and having a shot from the edge of the area. He was following it up and getting to the byline and chipping a ball into the back post for Haaland. And that's sort of not just what a midfielder does, but what an attacking midfielder does. And like you said, it helps that Nunes is there and Kovacic has been there in the past to just sort of hold back and let Rodri go forward. But it's just another another example of if you've got Foden, Alvarez, Haaland and your other midfielder, let's say it's Bernardo, all dotting about, then you've got Rodri coming through as well. The defenders aren't going to keep up and uh, there will be space to exploit. So he's clearly a clever enough player to do that. I think Guardiola said he's the best midfielder in Europe after the game and previously it was he's the best defensive midfielder. I don't think you can argue that there are many better midfielders around at the moment. Is he City's most important player? I think I would have said so last season because he was literally undroppable in that position. There was no one else who could come in and do that. I think now you've got Kovacic, I think it'll be interesting to see will he be rotated and give Rodri a rest. But at the moment, with all the absences in midfield, probably is, yeah. Just because... Without him, that midfield probably falls apart. It's quite inexperienced, but when you've got Rodri who's a 7, 8 out of 10 every game and now he's popping up with important goals when City need it, yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair thing to say. You'd probably look at maybe a Haaland, but even when De Bruyne has been taken out with how good he is, yeah. and Bernardo, obviously, you know, potential injury, you know, potentially will be fit tomorrow, who knows, we'll find out later on, but it's... Um, you feel taking Rodri out, and this is a perfect segue. You've mentioned, I didn't do this on purpose either, but you, you mentioned Kovacic. A certain midfielder you didn't mention as a defensive midfielder was Calvin Phillips. So he came on late in the game, Red Star Belgrade, and it, once again, it's just symptomatic. I'm just watching it and I'm like, you know, rumoured opportunities for him to, to leave in the summer and honestly Joe I'm sat there and I'm like if 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 you had that opportunity I'm not saying he did but if he did have that opportunity in the summer why wouldn't you take that up did he have you know you do wonder if he had guarantees from the club but then you know the rumours were that City were kind of open for him to 
maybe move on. There's rumours about Liverpool, Newcastle. Obviously, we don't know, but you do look at his position now. And as I say, you just mentioned Kovacic before. We've mentioned Nunes, obviously Rodri. You know that whole midfield balance. You're not mentioning him. Size not mentioning him. I'm not mentioning him. What? What is his position now in this City squad, do you think? Is he just purely a five to ten minute player now? I think the first thing we say is that Guardiola literally said last week he had offers, he turned them down and City were open to letting him leave on loan and he decided he wanted to fight for his place, which I get on one hand because you've been bought for a lot of money and if you leave after a season where you barely played, it's sort of an admission of defeat and where do you go from there? Um, and if he's still getting in the England squad now when he's not playing at all, probably just because he's at Manchester City, he would risk that as well and then he's not playing for anyone. Um, I think it will be interesting to see does he play at Newcastle next week in the Cup. Guardiola said he'll look to the youth team and rest key players. I don't know, I don't think there are many youth team players who he can call upon. Not that. But, I mean, you look at the, the sort of inference he's making there is we're going to have to rest key players and that means that players who haven't been playing like Gomez, like Phillips, are going to come in. Um, I think this is going to be quite a big week for him, especially with Nottingham Forest at home, who City should beat. Will he get, even if he gets half an hour, 40 minutes, assuming that City are comfortable in the game, he can then build on that, take it to Newcastle, show what he can do. But I do think it's telling that Nunes has come in. He's had three, four training sessions under Guardiola and he comes at West Ham and he changes the game because he's holding that midfield. Guardiola wanted someone to come on and allow Bernardo to go in, go wide, but keep the shape in midfield. He picks Nunes, who's been there for three days under Guardiola, rather than Phillips, who's been there for, for a year. And then he starts Nunes again from the, uh, from the start against Red Star. And Phillips doesn't come on. I mean, Phillips didn't come on at all. Um, sorry, he didn't come on at West Ham. He did come on against, um, against Red Star. But yeah, it's... I he, thought he'd start against Red Star. I thought he would. Especially yeah, it, with it Gomez there as well. Yeah, Interesting yeah. with Gomez starting. I mean, he well. always goes strong, doesn't he, Guardiola? On, mm. on the beginning of a group stage, because... He wants to win the home games and he wants to qualify as soon as possible. So I could see why he didn't start, but I think if he doesn't start against Newcastle, then alarm bells will be ringing. Doesn't trust him, does he? No, I think that's that's the main thing. And again, it's telling that Nunes got the start because he's clearly taken more things in or can do that role better with more trust from the manager. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I would imagine he would have been hoping for a bit more game time at the start of the season especially with all the injuries but you've got two new signings who've come in and already look more at home in that midfield than Phillips has a year on which isn't, mm. isn't great from his perspective No it's not all um, you just mentioned injury chat how so obviously we've mentioned several times um, but this has been recorded on Friday morning we will have the press conference later on and more information from Pep but Jack Grealish how important is it him being back in this city fold? Obviously, we've seen Doku almost take up that role in the past couple of games. Um, how important is he being back in this side? It's important. And I mean, from January to May last year, he was undroppable on that left wing and he made sure that Foden was on the bench and other players couldn't get games and stuff. But I think City coped fairly well without him. I think Doku's come in and he scares defenders. And you've got Bernardo who can play in the wing, you've got Foden who's doing that role and, and coming inside. The formation that they're playing at the moment does lend itself to Grealish playing and helping out, but also they can play without him, which I think at times they couldn't last season. So I think what that does is it gives City time to get Grealish back to full fitness. I mean, Guardiola said on Tuesday that he needs seven to ten days 
and then he'll need a bit of time to get back up to speed. And then on Wednesday, we see pictures of him training. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Guardiola says in the press conference today on, on Friday afternoon. Um, but I would suggest that he st- still probably needs that bit more time. And I think there's no need to rush him back. You've got Forrest at home, which you should win, even with all the, the injury crisis. Uh, you've got Newcastle away, which Guardiola doesn't want to play key players. I mean, he says that, doesn't he? He's probably going to play the, the strongest team he can. But it's a cup game you don't need to risk bringing Grealish back and you can then use a bit of time and uh, I think Grealish being fit for the long term is more important than rushing him back yeah 100% and it's I was saying this last weekend but the dynamic between him and Doku yeah cutting in off that left is going to be so interesting because it's real competition now for Grealish as well he'll be chomping at the bit to get back and I noticed at West Ham Doku was doing what Grealish doesn't in that he gets the ball he stands his defender up Grealish is very good at knowing when to press and when to just keep possession Doku would always just run to the byline and, and cross and yes he loses possession Guardiola said that you know it's, it has its pros and cons but he is a genuine alternative to Grealish now because he does not because he does the same things because he does something different so yeah I would it'll be interesting to see how Grealish reacts to that does he try and return to that sort of swashbuckling Aston Villa style player that he was or does he double down on what Guardiola wants and say right if you want to go for Doku on and attack the fullback then fine but I'm going to continue doing what I was doing so I think yeah for the first time since Grealish became a sort of starting 11 player he's got some genuine competition now but I feel like Pep didn't like not like he didn't like that but Mm -hmm. Grealish is such a different player in my opinion to what he was at Villa from someone who who watched him a lot at Villa as well and even when you look at him playing for England, it is, you know, not to take away from his game whatsoever, but I think he's now so heavily focused on just recycling possession, keeping hold of the ball, whereas before it is just going at the defender in a very different way to what Doku does because he's so explosive and quick. Greer should almost just turn the full back inside out, wouldn't he? And I, yeah, I do wonder what he thinks about that because it is, um, with Doku, it's like just you've got license, this is your game just go and have a go at them. And, or, but, but then do you think Pep will maybe coach that out of Doku, but it takes a lot away from his game, yeah. doesn't it? So I know we're basing it off like three games, but it'd be a shame if he did, wouldn't it? Because oh, yeah. Doku's so exciting and he's one of those players who like you feel the buzz around the crowd when he gets on the ball, especially after what he did at West Ham. There was excitement when he came off the bench against Red Star to see what he could do. Um, I wonder if Grealish on the left and Doku on the right could be a an attacking force because they came on the right against uh, exactly so I mean last season Guardiola liked sort of he either went with Foden and Bernardo on the wings or Grealish and Mahrez because Grealish and Mahrez would slow it down and come inside and Foden and Bernardo go to the byline and put a cross in could you then go with Grealish on the left who slows it down and sort of teases the defender and Doku on the right who does who just goes for it on, on the other side and keeps them guessing and I mean we've not seen Grealish on the right as much it's not his best position but you can swap them around and that could be a, a way to sort of just unbalance the defence even more as well as all the players drifting around behind, and, City, in the and City may be becoming more clinical <laughs> segue again uh, you've done a really good piece on the Manchester Evening News on City's I don't even know how to exp- I don't know how to start this. It's like they're not less clinical, but Pep was discussing it post match, and we can all see it. That yeah. first half against Red Star being the obvious example, yeah. they do seem 
maybe not as ruthless as as maybe they were last season as an as an example players been out obviously that's it's huge isn't it de bruyne been the the classic um but is it 50 how many shots has been 56 many? over the last two games go on <laughs> see us through the stats 56 shots over the last two games i think it's 31 on target six goals yeah i mean you look at it six goals three goals a game great but they've missed so many chances and they've had a lot on target, do you, you start to think, well, why are they missing so many? And in both games, yes, they've come back, but they've, they've allowed the opposition to go ahead. So I know some people have been talking about it. Guardiola said after the game, he was like, and he said what we would expect him to say, which is we are creating the chances. That's the positive thing. And then I think back to Forest away last season, City drew 1-1, they missed a hat full of chances, Haaland misses a sitter. And he says, this is the best we played in donkeys because we're creating the chances he'd be far more worried if they're not creating the chances um i mean harland somehow misses two sitters at west ham that he would normally bury um you know there's aviola has a fantastic game we spoke to him after the game at west ham and he's, he was basically saying yeah i played well and yeah i kept him quiet but we still conceded three and harland still scored so what what can you do and then against red star omri glazer has a really good game produces some really good uh, saves and then punches one in his net and they lose 3-1 as well so it's it's not a problem and I think because the chances are being created then Guardiola won't worry but I mean Haaland could have easily and without exaggerating had six or seven goals in the last two games just because of the ones he's missed he, the one against the bar against Red Star he buries that nine times out of ten he's just that's just unlucky he couldn't have done anything more to, to get that on target. Um, I think there's one follow-up from, from Alvarez that the keeper produces a good save. So it's, it is a weird one. And when I was writing that piece, I, was, I didn't want to say they've only scored six goals. They've, they've been really wasteful because they have been doing well. And when you look at the expected goals, which some people should have had, but it is a, an okay reflection on the quality of the chances. In both games, City's XG has been between three and four. So they've been, yeah, they've had 50-odd shots on goal, but they've only been expected to score seven and they've scored six, so... Yeah, it's all well and good taking pot shots from yeah. 25 yards. is it the quality it? of the shot? And yes, Haaland has missed those sitters, but they've scored a few goals that they wouldn't be expected to score. No one's expecting Glazer to come for that ball and direct it into his own net. And Alves, when he gets that shot, you don't expect him to pull off that footwork and... Rodri has to get through a lot of players to, to bend that one in the corner and it's they, they are sort of performing on a par so I don't think it's a problem I think he I think Guardiola would be more concerned with the Fulham game where they scored five but they only had five shots on target because that's less sustainable I think I think you can improve from 50 odd shots and only getting six uh, in the back of the net than having seven shots and five on target. Yeah, it's a lot of averages. Five goals. Yeah. So um, it is an interesting topic, but I don't think it's as simple as saying City are really wasteful because they're still dominating games and the goals have come. So I don't think it's too much of an issue. And also when Haaland goes on a run like this, he's dangerous because he really wants to score. So I, I think he'll go and score a hat-trick against Forrest because he'll be in that mood. Well, averaging, <laughs> averaging three goals a game. And uh, yeah, we're complaining. Well, we're talking about City's uh, lack of ruthlessness. But guys, we're going to leave it there. We're going to be discussing Cal Walker when we get back. <laughs> Hello.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We started the last act with Rodri. We started the Nick, this act with Kyle Walker. So I've, I've not got your view on him at the minute. Me and Si have been speaking a lot about him and it's been dominating the podcast, his situation and Bernardo Silva's situation. He stepped up massively, hasn't he? Obviously, the captaincy, but he seems to really be... Uh, you've obviously seen Kyle before as, as that sort of leadership figure, but there's a difference to him this season. I feel like his performances as well, Pep has evidently, you know, trusts him even even more, giving him the captaincy, but even in his performances, Joe, I feel it's, uh, it's getting a lot better from Kyle. Yeah, he's, he's justifying it at the moment, isn't he? That I mean, he didn't start in the Champions League final. No one was really arguing because John Stones was playing so well in that sort of right-back marauding role and Akanji was also doing that as well. Um, I think last year was a sort of a transition for that right-back role in general, whether it's Cancelo or Lewis or, or Walker. I think now Walker is, and I've perhaps touched on this, he is becoming a better footballer. He used to just be a right-back who used his pace and got up and down the wing. Now he can come inside, he, he can play those sort of balls and, and drift into positions where he takes the winger with him and he's not just becoming an attacking, an attacking threat on the wing, he's becoming an attacking threat in the centre, which is, uh, I think, a credit to him because when you're 30-odd, you can probably just think, well, I've played at the top level, I've won everything there is to win and I'm just going to carry on. But he seems really determined to get better and prove that he can go until he's, he's 36. And I've never seen Walker go through the mix zone at the Etihad in the last year or so. He's stopped twice. He's not only gone through, he's stopped twice in the last uh, two weeks. So he's clearly taken that sort of new captain responsibility uh, seriously, especially with De Bruyne gone. I think he realises that he, someone needs to step up and be that captain in the dressing room. He's, he's been a bit coy on who is the actual captain. So I don't know, do we read into that that De Bruyne's number one or do we, is he being respectful and saying, we, I don't know. But he said twice that he's not going to tell us who the actual captain is, but as long as De Bruyne isn't there, he is effectively captain, isn't he? Because he's he's the, the the highest rank, the most experienced. So that is a role that I think City need in the dressing room because they've got a lot of players out and a lot of experienced players out. And um, he can play the role of the joker and sort of having a laugh, but he seems to have just looked at the sort of situation and thought, no, I need to be the, the leader at the moment. And he's he's responding to it with his performances as well. Yeah, you do feel like I agree with you maybe before I've seen sort of him, Stones, um, Bernardo Silva, Grealish to an extent um, as the Jokers. Yeah. But you've seen a different side to him, haven't you, at the minute? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think he's making a bit more of an effort to sort of show that publicly as well, which fair enough. And he spoke really well in the press conference and uh, sort of addressed his criticisms and weaknesses. But also he is very determined I've mentioned this a few times but last year on tour in Houston we spoke to him and he was talking about when he got sent off for England against Iceland and he said he thought his international career was over because Alexander Arnold's coming through Trippi is there Reese James and he basically decided that he said no one's going to retire him and he knuckled down and he was like I'm going to go out on my own terms and I think he's carried that mentality on especially with all the right back turbulence let's say last season he doesn't want to go out with Rico Lewis coming through and taking his place as an 18-year-old with respect to Rico Lewis. I think he wants to go until he can't go anymore. And he, he, he backs himself to do that. So um, if he's got that mentality and he's got that bit between his teeth, then he's only going to be good for City. 
Also, system-wise, because he's such a competitor yeah. and mentality-wise, he's, he's a bit of a demon. He's one of those we'll be thinking as well, like, he'll love Stones, and they, they're clearly very close, but he'll be thinking, a centre-back's not taking my right-sided role. Yeah. Like, this this isn't how this yeah. goes. You know, similarly to what you were saying, England with all the youngsters coming yeah. up, but at least you've actually got, you know, top-class right-backs there. A, a centre-back's not taking my right-sided role. Yeah. You know, that'll be in his mind as well, won't it? Yeah, and you can see he's still got those little goals he wants to get. He want he wanted to get a goal for England, and you could see how much it meant to him afterwards. And he almost scored an identical one against Red Star, but it was it was offside. And yeah, I think he's he he seems more motivated than ever, which can only be a good thing. And as I say, when you're 33, normally you can just go through the motions, but he's won everything there is to win. But he still wants to win win more, which is again very good for City. Right, got a question for you. One, two, three. Who wins in a 100-metre race, Walker, Doku or Haaland? Who's going where? I still think it's Walker. I think he's... I, think Doku I, th I might be imagining it, but I think there was a moment against West Ham where Antonio looked like he was through and Walker just put the burners on and, and got him and he, he looked like he really embraced that. He, he said he backed himself over Doku, so I've got to put him there. And I'd, I'd probably put Haaland last. I'm not sure Haaland's got the the staying power I think in short bursts he has but I don't think he's got the, yeah. the staying power over 100 metres I think I think it's when I think it takes Haaland longer to get going yeah. but I think I think Doku is just like it's like a cheater I reckon he'd be good over short yeah. short spaces but like you've said I think what I loved and I obviously saw it um, live against uh, Red Star he shows the winger down the flank he doesn't show him inside and that is so unique he's like go on then go on and it's 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 fascinating to watch because obviously you'll, you'll normally get a winger maybe showing showing uh, sorry a, a fullback showing the winger inside so then obviously they can the, you know the centre backs and the central midfielders can just crowd him out Walker's like now let's go yeah. it's, it's fascinating to watch it really is but and he's always done that but it seems like again as he gets older he's just doing it more because he he still backs himself and I mean, Guardiola said he's got sort of unique genetics and uh, Walker backed himself again when he said that. He was like, yeah, I'm, I might be 36 by the end of the contract, but I still feel like I can, I can go on and uh, I don't think he'll be slowing down anytime soon. Nope. Um, okay, let's touch on Forest Saturday. Mixed start for them, beating Chelsea away, Sheffield United at home, lost to Arsenal, I believe. Um, but taking that arrogant hat off, you're expecting... See win here, aren't you? Yeah, especially at home. Um, I'm looking at the game last year, similar time of the season. Yes, yeah, so I had just come up, but it was very easy for City. Um, I think Guardiola will be wary because Forrest really did a job, job on them at the City ground um, in February and soaked up the pressure and let City make the mistakes and then hit them at the end of the game. And we've seen in the last couple of games that City do have a mistake in them on the break. Um, so maybe, maybe Forrest will look at that. They've got some, I mean, they sign a million players a year, don't they? But, but I think it was the Man United game. I think it was Onyewi up front. Yeah. I think it was Alanga. And, and you're looking at that transition. And Hudson-Odoi is a good signing as well. Hudson-Odoi. And you look at that transition, you think to yourself, they'll soak, 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 yeah. and just look to, to hit teams on the counter-attack. Dangerous, dangerous team. I think they will be better than they were last time at the Etihad. But I still think City will win relatively comfortably. But if it's another 3-1 where it's exactly the same story as the last last two games then I could say that as well mm. so that's your score prediction what are you going for 
Um, I'll say 4-1, I think. And I still think Haaland will get his hat-trick. Joe, you know, Si, I've said this to Simon as well, he's... Score predictions, he's, he's always very tight. He's always quite yeah. reserved with them. I always go bullshit. I've said 4 0 and 4 1 for the last four weeks. So you saying 4 1 helps. I think me just, out be- a bit. just because they're at home, like I, I would have said it had been tighter than it was against West Ham and probably Red Star as well. But I think just because City are at home, yes, Forest have done well at Chelsea and they've got some really good results against Sheffield United and yeah, a draw against Burnley. But they're the games you can't lose when you're a team like Forest. So it's probably a free hit for them now after I think there's seven points on the board which is a good return for them so far I think they will just accept I don't know they'll, they'll, they'll have a go but I, I just can't see anything other than a comfortable City win and you're saying they're averaging three goals a game yeah okay. well, <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with four again for the fourth week running uh, yeah I'll go four four nil I think four nil yeah Harland Hattrick you've got me convinced on that one Um, guys we're going to link over to the Pep Guardiola press conference now Uh, but before that I'd just like to say thanks for stopping by Joe thank you again no worries Um, it's been an absolute pleasure Um, give us a like comment on the video as well we read all the comments on YouTube make sure you subscribe to the Manchester City Manchester Evening News YouTube channel Um, also head over and and check us out on, on, on Apple Spotify leave us a five star rating guys it's been an absolute pleasure We'll see you next time. Cheers. Afternoon, Pep. Hope you're well. Uh, Steve Cooper has said Manchester City at the Etihad is the hardest game in world football. What do you make of those comments and are you delighted that you've created that kind of environment here? Oh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, it's a compliment. Thank you so much to Steve. But uh, they were able to do an incredible game in Sanford Bridge and until the end they fought a lot against Arsenal away and against, against United with 0-2 after a few minutes and uh, last season we could not win there that we make an incredible good game we missed a lot of chances we could not do it so yeah we cannot deny the last year and this year again so at home we feel feel good but tomorrow 3pm we have to prove again you mentioned some of the achievements for, for Steve what have you made of what he's done getting them promoted and reshaping that at Nottingham Forest well the most important thing is the fact that when he took over the team last season uh, no two seasons ago in the championship was not good Nottingham Forest and after making a camera run was promoted and they struggled all season but at the end they finished well with a lot of signs and settled this is not easy and they did it and this season started really well so make much much points, much more points than the last season, and at the end, it's a physicality team, well organized. The pace in the transitions are really, really high. So just be careful. Uh, in terms of, of course, we are optimistic to do what you have to do with uh, our people and try to to make the six win in a row. You've highlighted the the number of injuries. How important is this period going to be for some of your young players to potentially step up and, and shine during this sort of busy period whilst you've got those key players out? But I said many many times in many years when a young players in the squad training with us and ready to play is because we trust a lot of them, we rely on them, and they can do whatever we want. 
a part of that. So we need uh, the injured players back because there are lots of games. We cannot play the same players for a long, long time, and it's important to have enough. But Jack is, is coming back in terms. Yes, the train turned well, and maybe will be for some minutes, maybe ready. And Kova is Mateo is uh, almost yeah in the last part of the of the recovery to coming back. But now we lost Bernardo for a few days and and John and Kevin and you know they are still out. I bet. Um, on Bernardo, then what is what is the diagnosis? How long do you expect him to be out? No, for? I have a little injury. It's not nothing much. The clinical. The development is good, but I know one week, ten days, 15, one week, two weeks will be will be out. Last season, you, you seem to be kind of okay on the injury front. I know you like to work with a smaller squad. This season, at the start, it's kind of all happened at, at once. Is is there a reason behind that? Yeah, a lot of games. It, it, it is just overloaded games, is it? Absolutely. With less games, less injuries. A lot of games, a lot of seasons in a row with uh, not much rest. Uh, this is just that. So we demand to the players a lot, a lot of effort, a lot of games, and sometimes they cannot sustain it. And sometimes it's unlucky. So the Jack was out in Sheffield, was an incredible knock, his knee, and that's football, it happened. But normally the muscular issues is a lot of games. Um, fine, I know everyone talks about him at the minute, Rodri. Is there a more complete player in world football right now than, than your own midfielder? He's an exceptional holding midfielder. No doubt about that. He's exceptional. As complete or not complete, I don't know. Okay. Pep, good afternoon. Um, if you win tomorrow, that's 18 points from six games, which is better than the start last season in the Premier League. How how delighted and how surprised have you been at the way your players have started this season, bearing in mind we, we thought maybe there might be a, an after-effect of winning the treble? When we arrived here seven, eight years ago, we made six to six. Yeah, we finished third or fourth, I don't remember. So it's just the beginning. So it's, it's important to, you know, to get points and because the competition is hard, the opponents some of them miss not don't miss much much points, but it's just the beginning. So, but it's important to get points definitely. Having had the experience of winning the treble, is is this a an easier squad to manage now this season? Do they they know what they have to do almost? All the squads were so easy to handle it. The squads were really really good. All of them, and the teams were really good, and the success that now belongs to the success. That the players of the past because we learn of them, we we improve what we have done in the past. So it's, it's a consequence. I'm not going to say this team is better than the previous one and the previous one is better than the previous, previous, previous one. So every 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 team, the club give it to me, to us, staff, backroom manager staff is always have been really good. And how impressed have you been with Alvarez? Because he he seemed to be in and out last season, this season you've played him in all five games so far. He's waited very patiently for his chance and seems to be taking it with both hands. Always have a good behaviour. Winning, playing, no playing. Being world champion or being world champion always has behaviour. On and off the pitch was the same. Of course, the perfect doses of, of I would say, 
the perfect doses, I would say, of, of disappointment for didn't play. But you behave like that, always you had the opportunity. Of course, last season we had uh, Ilkay and, and Kevin, sharp and a good moment. And and right now, for the circumstances, for the injuries, or for whatever reason, had this minute, and he gave us a lot, a lot of good things to us. And and yeah, and that's why he's playing. But he has to continue many games. There will be games I will not play and be ready for that. And with a lot of games, hopefully the players come back from the injuries and everyone they have to battle and fight for the best position and, and play the games. There's nothing else before the embargo. So that's fantastic.